Galatians chapter 2. We're doing a, a kind of a series within a series. We've been studying the book of Galatians. We've made it into Galatians chapter 2. And our, our title for Galatians chapter 2 is, What's So Great About the Church? I stole that title from my friend Dalton Robertson. I asked him what he's, I'm, I'm preaching in Florida with him at a meeting, Wesley Chapel, Florida, this week. And I said, what are you preaching on? He said, well, what's so great about the church? And so I said, well, I guess I better not do what I'm doing here down there. But uh, so I got that title from him, and he's done a great job on that subject. But we're taking a little bit different tack. And this week, I want us to look at what's so great about the church. It is where the believer's faith is protected. What's so great about the church is where the believer's faith is protected. Look with me. Keep your place in Galatians 2. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. The Bible says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The New Testament church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, last week, let's go back to Galatians 2. Last week, we, we learned and we, we examined that we're not talking about some big universal body that determines what everyone in the world should believe. Is that right? There are no church councils that determine what we ought to believe. The New Testament church, the local assembly, examines the Word of God. We submit to the Word of God as it has been written and preserved and given to us. And that is where the truth is preserved, through believers in a New Testament church. Isn't that right? We don't have to have any religious hierarchy. There's no one that's going to come in here and say, this is what you must believe. We are submitting to the Word of God and it alone. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? So now, let's begin with Galatians chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. And our subject this morning, what's so great about the church? It is where the believer's faith is protected. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you." So what's going on in this text is the Apostle Paul has come back. He went to Jerusalem and he saw that people were coming into the churches and were trying to steal their liberty. So Paul begins by preaching the same gospel to the Jews that he had preached to the Gentiles. It's the same gospel. Is that right? Everyone needs the same gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. It doesn't matter if you're black, white. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what religion you come from. It doesn't matter what nation you come from. It doesn't matter when you live. Your only hope is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what it is. But the Bible says that in verse 4, that because of false brethren unawares brought in, there were false teachers that were coming into the church to spy out their liberty. 
to bring them under bondage. Specifically in the context, these were people that were trying to bring the laws of Judaism and impose them on Christians. We don't have a whole lot of that now unless you're a Seventh-day Adventist. They would do that. Uh, Certain legalistic systems would do that at our time. Most of us aren't going to experience that. What I want to look at today, what are some things that would try to rob our liberty? What are some things that would undermine our understanding of the gospel? What are some things that are, in, that are coming into Grace Baptist Church through broader Christianity that we need to be protected from? What we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time looking at the major teachers that are influencing Christianity today and try and see where they align with the Scriptures. One of the things that I run into as I travel and preach, if I bring up a teacher that is teaching false doctrine, here's the, what I get. Are you saying they're not a good person? you saying this, this is not a good person. Well, I don't know whether they're good or not, but I know that what they said is wrong. Uh, I was listening to James Knox for a few minutes this morning, and he said this, We've gotten to a place in Christianity where our emotions carry more weight than God's infallible word. Do you understand that a lot of truth, when we look at truth, it's really not important how you feel about that or how that truth makes you feel? Personally, personally, I think gravity is unfair. I do. I think I ought to be able to dunk a basketball. It's not fair. How many of you think my feelings have anything to do with reality? But see, we accept that kind of thinking in Christianity. So let's, let's lay some groundwork here, and then we're going to look at what some teachers have said. Now, let me say this. There are people who do not believe that a church ought to do what we are going to do this morning. All right? And that's okay. They don't have to come to our church. But I believe that the church is a place where believers are protected. And we, we, you've got to see what's out there. The other thing that I want you to see is this. Um, it's worse than you think. When we think of these other teachers who don't necessarily agree with us, we think, yeah, they've got a few strange ideas, but they're good people, they love God, they're sincere. All right? Well, you know what? There's a lot of, going to be a lot of sincere people in hell. So the issue is truth, not sincerity. Uh, Now, on the other hand, a lot of people that I show you today, many of them are not sincere. They're just liars, and uh, we're going to see that. So, But we as believers, what is our job with this? Look at 1 Thessalonians with me. 1 Thessalonians. And remember, the book of 1 and 2 Thessalonians are written to the church in the last days. Every chapter has a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so here's some instructions. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And look at verse 12. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort comfort them. I'm sorry. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. All right? Warn them that are unruly. What is that speaking of? The, the best way to understand that is, how many of you ever remember watching Gomer Pyle? Shazam! Okay. 
Remember what happened when they were on, the, on the, the parade ground and Sergeant Carter was having them march and Gomer could never get it right. You all remember that? Gomer did have some other issues also that are for another message. But <laughs> that is walking unruly. It's not walking in step with the teaching of the Word of God. We're to warn them, warn them that, wa- that walk unruly. Then comfort the feeble-minded. Now, there are many ways that people are feeble-minded. Some people are feeble-minded because their minds don't work well. How many of you know people that their, their mind didn't develop properly? They need our love. They need our help. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. They're going to be in heaven with us. Comfort them. Comfort them. There are other people that are feeble-minded because they have been taught to think wrongly. We need to help them. We need to teach them. We need to comfort them. And then look at what it says. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. But then look at what this says. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. So don't quench the Holy Spirit of God. Let the Holy Spirit of God work in your life. Receive the work that He's doing in your life. Amen? And then look at what it says. Despise not prophesying. What is prophesying? It's the the proclaiming, the bold proclaiming of the Word of God. We don't ignore the prophecy that's in the Word of God. Neither do we ignore the prophecy that the preacher makes when he teaches what the Word of God says. Don't ignore that. But just because someone says it's prophecy, don't believe it. Look what the next verse says. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. If I stand up and say something, prove it. Don't just listen to it. Prove it. Make sure it's right. Prove all things. Don't just open your mind and listen to whatever's said and just accept it. Amen? Now, I hope that as you hear the preaching and teaching here, that you have more and more confidence in it. But man, I can mess up just like anybody else. And especially when you hear teachers that you're not familiar with prove every word, find out what they believe and what they're teaching. Now, one of the other things that's going to come up is people will ask this question. Well, just because this person is wrong on this doctrine, does that mean I shouldn't listen to them? They're wrong on a specific doctrine. Does that mean I shouldn't listen to them at all? How many of you have ever thought that or had that thought in your mind before? Look with me at Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is what? So if someone teaches something that's clearly contrary to the word of God, that doesn't mean that their other teaching is okay. There is no light in them. All right. Romans chapter 16. What's so great about the church? It's where the believer's faith is protected. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. 
So this is where it's important for mature believers to mark those that teach false doctrine to protect the immature believers. So we mark them and avoid them. So if they teach false doctrine, we don't just ignore the false doctrine and accept the good teaching that they have. We mark them and avoid them. Go to the book of Titus with me. All right. Titus chapter 2. and I'm sorry, Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Okay, this is one of the pastoral epistles, the Apostle Paul, writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a young man, a young pastor named Titus. Chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of, our God, of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs, according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm, how often? Constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. All right? So now, the Bible is getting very clear. We're not supposed to speak bad about people. We're not supposed to just get up and rail about people. But how many of you noticed the chapter didn't end at that? So you don't speak evil of good men, but you mark heretics and you separate from them. You uphold the truth. You speak the truth. You stand for the truth. You love one another. You perform good works. You live like a believer. How many of you see just basic Christianity right there? Clear and basic Christianity. I think what we fail to see is how far we've come from that. And I want us to go to Psalm 119, lay a few more verses of groundwork, and then we're going to dive in. I think that as believers... Uh, let, let, me, let me broaden it from us to Christianity in general. How many of you would say that, that Americans in general have kind of gotten soft on what they believe? And so American Christians have also gotten soft on what they believe in their response to something that's wrong. Uh, understand that it's very hard for people to say, well, that's wrong. I don't believe that. You're wrong. Here's what they say. Well, that's not the way I see it. How many of you understand there's, there's a difference between that's not the way I see it and you're wrong? How about this? How about hating what's wrong? All right, Psalm 119. Look at verse 104. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. You all agree with that? Do you agree with the second part of the statement? Therefore, 
I hate every false way. If understanding is important, if that understanding is important, how many of you think it's, it's important that we understand what God wants us to do? If that understanding comes through the word of God, that's why we hate every false way. Because the false way will deceive people. It'll ruin their lives. It'll cause them to spend eternity in hell. So uh, I, I love God's precepts and I hate the false ways. Look at verse chapter 119 and look at verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Would you all agree with that? Do you all agree that everything God says about everything is right? Do you agree with that? Look at the next statement. And I tolerate every false way. And I have respect for every false way. And I try to be kind to every false way. And, and, and I try to have understanding for every false way. What does the Bible say? Is that an equivocal term? Is that a popular term today? We are, the Bible tells us that there are some things that we're supposed to hate, and that is false teaching. So now, the next question comes, well, then how do you determine which things you're supposed to hate? Well, if somebody tells me that I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and someone else says, I believe Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, so there's no reason to be mad about it. And honestly, it doesn't matter because God wrote it. Okay, that doesn't matter. How about salvation by grace through faith? How many of you would say that it's important that people understand that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ? Think that's important? If someone does not believe in Jesus Christ, where do they go? Is the Bible clear on that? Okay. Pastor Nathan, what do I have to do to start here? Just push the button. Which button? The, this bottom one? The right one? Okay. Uh, we've had ministers on who said, your record don't count. You either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, you are, you are going to heaven. And if you yeah. don't, no matter what you've done in your life, yeah. you ain't. Yeah. That's true, isn't it? If you believe in Christ, you go to heaven. If you don't believe in Christ, no matter what you've done, you don't. Larry King is saying that's what he's had preachers on there saying. Okay, here's Reverend Osteen. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, you're going to have some good works. And I think it's a cop-out to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything to help well, What anybody. if you're Jewish or Muslim and you don't accept Christ at all? You know, I, I just, I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. I think only God... Because you believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe... They're, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father, and, uh, you know, religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know. I'd have to, you know, I've seen their sincerity, so... I don't know. I just, I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But Okay, what he said was he had been in India with his father and there were Hindus, a lot of Hindus there, who believed in God and they were very sincere. Okay, so now let's make sure that we understand what's going on. Go to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. This is speaking of Jesus Christ, of course. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we what? 
All right, so what he's saying is he's not sure about Muslims or Jews or Hindus. That's not for me to judge, really. No, it's not for me to judge, but I can tell you what God said. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona, hello. Hello, Larry, you're the best. And thank you, Joel, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then That's a what Jew you... is not going to heaven. No, I... I, I can't... Well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart. You know, I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart. And so, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm not going to be believe involved. your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But For someone who doesn't share it. Well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I look at it like that. But he's so positive. Okay. I would I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone. No, but I about atheists. No, I just you know what. I'll let, I'll let somebody, let, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just, again, I present the truth. And I say it every week, you know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But, you know what, I'm not going to go around telling everybody else. If, if they don't want to believe that, that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. God's got to look at your heart. And only God knows that. And I don't think we have it. I think we missed the one about sin. He, um, he, Larry King asked him, what about sin? Do you talk about sin and being a sinner? He goes, no, I don't use that word. What do you have to be saved from? So understand that this man is preaching another gospel. Is that right? Okay, let's go to the book of Galatians and let's see what we're supposed to do. Now, how many of you would agree that what he just said is not the gospel of the Word of God? How many of you would agree that that is not the gospel? Okay, let's look at what the Bible says. Uh, verse 6, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you uh, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let, what does it say? Him be accursed. So what should our opinion of Joel Osteen be? That's hard in our culture, isn't it? And here's where we have to understand the big picture. This guy pastors the largest church in America. Do you understand how far Christianity has gone? That this man pastors the largest church in America. He is one of the most popular preachers in America, and this is his position on the gospel. But this is not a new problem. Uh, I believe what you're going to see next, um, don't get mad at me. Will you promise not to get mad at me? I'm not the one saying it. I'm just playing the video. But what about those faiths, the Mormons and the others that you mentioned, believe in Christ? They believe they will meet Christ. What about those like the Jews, the Muslims, who don't believe as That's you believe? That's in God's hands. I can't be the judge. You don't judge them? No. 
How do you feel when you see a lot of these Christian leaders go on television and say, you are condemned, you will live in hell if you do not accept Jesus Christ? And they, they are forceful and judgmental. Well, uh, they have a right to say that, and they are, they are true to a certain extent, but I don't, that's not my calling. My calling is to preach the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the fact that he does forgive us. That's what the cross is all about, what the resurrection is all about. That's the gospel. And you can get off on all kinds of different side trails. And uh, when I, in my earlier ministry, I did the same. But as I got older, I guess I became more mellow <laughs> and uh, more forgiving and more loving. And the Jerry Falwells and people like that, I love them. I thank God for their ministry. He has a great university. And uh, two of He just goes on to talk about Falwell a little bit. So what he's saying, don't, don't miss this, is he will not say that people who do not trust in Jesus Christ will go to hell. That's what he just said. It's the same thing that Joel Osteen was saying. And I want to say this, just my observation looking out here, your reaction to this is different than your reaction was to Joel Osteen. Now, here's what people say, and he said it here. I guess I've mellowed a little bit. I'm going to show you an interview from 20 years ago from Billy Graham. Tell me, what do you think is the future of Christianity? I think everybody that, that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. And that's what God is doing today. He's calling people for, out of the, the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world. Uh, they are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but uh, they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have, and I think that they are saved, and they're going to be with us in heaven. This is fantastic. I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. There's a wideness in God's mercy. They're not even conscious of whether they're saved or not, but they are. They might not even know the name of Jesus, but they know they need something. And they, they respond to God, and they're saved. They're going to be in heaven with us. It's 20 years ago. And the reason that, that Robert Schuller is so excited about it is Robert Schuller said that the worst thing that you can do for a person's self-esteem is to make them aware of their lost and sinful condition. How many of you are a little bit shocked right now? You're a little bit shocked right now. Understand how far Christianity has moved from the truth. And see, what we have is Billy Graham has done such a great job of preaching the gospel from the pulpit, telling people they need to receive Jesus Christ. How many of you know people that receive Jesus Christ through preaching of Billy Graham? I think both sets of my grandparents made a profession through that. And that's all fine, but that's when sermons are written for him. When he sits down and talks... Every time you hear an interview with him, this is the kind of thing that you're going to get. I heard him when the Pope died. He said, I'm sure the Pope is in heaven because the Pope preached the same gospel that I did. He said the Pope was the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. Now, how many of you understand that the, that the Pope's gospel, and the Pope would tell you, the Pope would have no problem telling you that his gospel is a different gospel than ours. How many of you understand that? 
They're proud to tell you that it's different than ours. And so this is where Christianity has gone. And so what happens is when you undermine the gospel, then you start coming in and robbing people's liberty. What did the apostle Paul do? In our text, in Galatians chapter 2, I preached the same gospel to them that I preached among the Gentiles. It didn't matter if they were Jews. It didn't matter what nation they were from. They needed the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be saved. So what did we just hear? Another gospel. Another gospel. What's so great about the church is where believers are protected. And look, I take no pleasure in this. I've been kind of, honestly, been kind of sick about it all night. Didn't sleep well, tired this morning. Because I don't want to hurt people. I don't want people to be offended. But who's going to show you the truth? We need to know what the truth is. The, the, The gospel of salvation has been undermined through broader Christianity. We understand that. How many of you have heard of Benny Hinn? We're going to start going into some of these other things. And again, this is where I think that that it's much worse than people think it is. People think of Benny Hinn, they think of, and this word of faith movement, Only Believe Ministries, north of us. What they think of is that these are people that just love Jesus Christ. They still preach the gospel. They just have a few different views on maybe healing in tongues than we do. That's the opinion that people have. How many of you would say that's basically the opinion that people have? Let's find out if that's true. All right? And we're going to let them use their own words. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hear this very clearly, please, and never forget. It's as easy to get healed as it is to get forgiven. It's as easy to receive physical healing as it is to receive forgiveness for sin. It's just as easy to get healed. Healing is as easy as salvation. Do not complicate what is simple. Say with me, it's as easy to get healed as it is to get forgiven. Healing should never be separate from salvation. Now, how many of you think that might have surprised the Apostle Paul? So understand what happens. Now, for us who have not been around this, that's just silly. How many of you, it's just kind of, it's just silly, right? How many of you know people that are wrapped up in this and they're sick right now and they're in a crisis of faith? What's happening is Benny Hinn is a false teacher, a false brother who has come in privately and is stealing their liberty. God never promised us physical healing. He has never promised physical healing. Never, never promised it. But he promised us if you receive Jesus Christ, you can have a new body at the resurrection. That's what we've been promised. That's what eternal life is. That's what salvation is. Salvation and physical healing are two different things. He's a liar. Okay? Believe me, when, believe me when I tell you, I never get sick. 
crying you know and we're what, rejoicing. Do you know what happened to me one day? I'm going to tell you. I was as sick as a sick dog with a, with a cold. Yeah, yeah, I get sick too. Can you believe people send him money? Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now let me tell you this, very personally, I have been, um, I've had people confront me because I speak about Benny Hinn. They tell me that I should not speak against a prophet of God. This man is, he's ruining people's lives. He's ruining people's lives. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to accept it. This man is a false prophet, a false teacher. Anything that he says is wrong. There is no light in him. Now clap and shout that you showed up. Columbus, Ohio. Those headaches that won't leave, that healing that's been blocked, that favorable look from the person you need it the most that has been stopped. I'm here to tell you today for no other reason than God said today, shout today, is my time for breakthrough. You got a headache? Today's your day. Just accept it. Kathy, you've got cancer. Today's your day. Just accept it. If your faith is strong enough, God will take that cancer away. How many of you have loved ones that we're praying for right now? We're going to have a time of prayer at the end of the service. How many believe prayer works? How many believe God heals? Amen. Amen. But how many of you believe you can demand that from God and that He owes it to you? You see, the problem is these guys, Benny Hinn and uh, Rod Parsley and some others that you're going to see, what, what I don't think that most of us understand is they have a different God than we do. So we're going to see that. That's what that means. Let me tell you, sickness comes from the devil. And when you walk into a hospital room and your friend is there, a member of your family is there, you have the power to say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that disease. And the God of heaven will heal that disease when you are right with God in heaven. How about that? You know, he wrote a diet book. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That'd be like me writing a book on physics. But do you hear what he said? That if you are right with God, then you can walk into that hospital room and rebuke that disease. And that person will be healed. This man is just a liar. There, I, there is nothing good that can be said about John Hagee. He is a liar. There is no light in him. We're not going to tolerate it here for a minute. Don't be bringing me his books on prophecy and say, you've got to read what he wrote. He wrote this great thing on the Ten Commandments. He wrote this, there is no light in him. Tell me in the Bible where you're supposed to, give me one verse where it says you're supposed to rebuke sickness. Show me one verse in the Bible where it says you're supposed to rebuke a demon or rebuke the darkness. Do you know who you're supposed to rebuke? False teacher. Isn't that interesting? And yet, what is the one that bothers people? The rebuking of the false teacher. Let's go on.
What's so great about the church is where the believer's protected. Not for a minute are we going to allow this stuff. Today, you should give your biggest uh, cash bill or write your biggest check and send it in and then expect God to give to you. You can't outgive God. Hallelujah. A thousand dollar vow of faith, big deal. We got people on welfare that's got enough faith to make a thousand dollar vow and paying it. And paying it. Heavy that he's into. Um, this guy, his name is Marjo, this young guy that's coming on. He was a Pentecostal preacher. He was ordained when he was four years old and began preaching. He, he did crusades and evangelistic crusades until he was 28 when he revealed that he was an agnostic and he, was just, he had just been taught. And um, he's talking about one of the other faith healers that taught him how to do it. He's going to describe this. And the Bible talks about making merchandise of people. Remember what the Bible said in Romans 16, 17, verse 18, where it talks about to mark them and avoid them? Because these people, what they're doing is they're serving their own bellies, these false teachers. Well, watch what this guy Marjo does. He's just describing it, and he's going to show you how to do it. Watch how convincing he is. He prophesied, and he told me how he did it. He sat right, I mean, he looked right across the table back and forth at me. And, and he told me how, you know, how he confiscates money. He says he's on, this station is over 40 states. And uh, he'll go on there and he'll be, get on the radio and he'll say, I know that listening to my little voice tonight, that there's some lady out there and you've got $10 put away in a cookie jar. Now God spoke to my heart and told me to go and tell you to get that $10 and get it in the mail and send it to me. And God will bless you. God will give you a reward such as you have never known before. And then he comes back to me and tells me, he says, if you're on the radio and you're going over 40 states and you're on at prime time, you've got thousands of people listening, the chances are that there are at least two or three hundred little old ladies who've got a $10 bill in a cookie jar. And so if you even get, you know, if a couple hundred go over and get it and send it to you, that's two grand that you've made just like that. And so, you know, if you're going to get into big time religion, this is the games you've got to play, things like that. It's a, it's a, you go into it as a business and you work it as a business, you know. The Bible talks about making merchandise of the gospel. That's what these people are doing. And so when you watch God TV, when you watch TBN, that's what all this is full of. That's what it's full of. Let's go on. We're going to go to one of my favorites here. Do I believe that God wants to bless us? Yes. But when you go to the conferences, you ask people to give money. So yeah. You say, do it cheerfully. Yeah. Because... As the Bible says, giving shall be given unto you. See, giving is a major part of the whole Christian doctrine. But do you believe that if someone gives money to the ministry, right. that more will come back to them? Yes. Absolutely. I think that's what they mean by prosperity gospel. Yes. No, but you worry at all that, that sometimes your message will be heard by someone in the most dire circumstances. It's a sort of roulette wheel. A sort of gamble with God. Okay, well, I can't pay the rent, but I'll give it to Joyce and we'll see what happens. Do you worry at all that well, that I, happens? I totally know. I don't worry about that. Of course she doesn't worry about it because she's getting rich. You know, she got married and her and her husband were stealing checks from her employer and, and stealing money. Um, later on, she divorced that guy and she was driving down the road in 1976 and the Holy Spirit called her name, said Joyce. She went to the bowling alley that night and she spoke in tongues for the first time. And God told her that she was going to have a ministry. Listen to one of, this, one of her sermons. 
There is no hope of anyone going to heaven unless they believe this truth that I am presenting. You cannot go to heaven unless you believe with all your heart that Jesus took your place suffering in hell. You see, these word of faith people, they believe that Jesus Christ had to go to hell and die spiritually. And that now, because Jesus Christ died in hell, because Jesus Christ suffered in hell, the only way that Jesus can work in this world now is when we give Him permission. And we just speak the truth into existence, and then He has to do what we say. That's what Joyce Myers believes. I've had good people that say, I know she's not supposed to be a preacher, but she's got some good things to say. There is no light in her. She is evil. She holds a false position. She's a false prophet. She's a false teacher. She preaches a false gospel. Do not listen to Joyce Myers. She is evil. We get the mind of God about His will. We pray it. When we pray it, we give Him legal right to perform it. Yes. Let me define prayer for you in this show. Prayer is man giving God permission or license to interfere in earth's affairs. In other words, prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. That's incredible. That is incredible. God could do nothing on earth. Nothing has God ever done on earth without a human giving him access. So he's always looking for that somebody. Always looking for a human to give him power, permission. In other words, God has the power, but you get the permission. God got the authority and the power, but you got the license. So even though God could do anything, he can only do what you permit him to do. Isn't it great to have a God at your beck and call? He can't do anything. He's bound. He can't do anything unless you give him permission to do it. Do you understand that this person has a different God than you have? A different God. And this is how fractured Christianity is. And remember, when we stand up here week after week and proclaim the truth and say, if anyone does not teach this truth, let them be accursed. They're wrong. We are considered unloving. This is unloving. This is robbing people of the liberty of knowing the one true God. They don't know Him. I'm, I'm going to say something going to knock your lights off. God has the power to take life, but he can't. He's got the power to do it, but he won't. He's bound. He can't. He says death and life is in the power of whose tongue? Yours. God can't take life. God can't. We have power over him. He is bound to do what we say. Just Jesse DePlantis. He preaches up and only believe. See, you've got to understand, people that you love and know are being influenced by this. The New Testament church, what's so great about the church? It's where the believer's faith is protected. This is why we at Grace Baptist Church do not cooperate with other ministries in the community. I will not give place by subjection to this kind of teaching. No, not for an hour. We can't do it. We cannot do it. And it's become, we're becoming more. Our, our circle of fellowship is going to become more and more and more narrow as evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Positive confession.
Look at me, say, 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 all, all of you. Say, there's power in me, power in me. To, speak life and death. to speak life and death. You call what you have. You say what you want. And I'm here to tell you, I know that I know that I know that as these programs are airing, I am speaking something into existence. Amen. He is speaking something into existence. Who is the only one who speaks things into existence? God. See, this is the positive confession movement. I, I knew some people who believed this way, and uh, the, the mother and stepfather of college friends of mine. So I'd gone to see my friends. I'm there. This guy, they were wealthy. We're driving down the road in his brand-new Mercedes. And I said, I'm speaking this in the name of the Lord. God said you're to give me this car. These people believe in positive confession. You know, he didn't believe it that strongly. Herds are containers for power. They carry creative or destructive power, positive or negative power. And so we need to be speaking right things over our lives and about our futures if we expect to have good things happen. Because what you say today is what you'll probably end up having tomorrow. Speak with your mouth what you believe in your heart. You'll have whatever you say. We don't have to pray for your will, Lord. And that same Holy Spirit wants to send spiritual light to a darkened world today. But he's waiting for you and me to say, oh, that spoken word is the key. Speak that thing. Decree that thing and it shall come to pass whatever it is in your life that you're decreeing right as now. we speak a thing together it intensifies it it as john says it supercharges it you've got to say it you've got to speak it you've got to s decree it you decree the thing you pay your vow and then he brings it to pass it's in the word it's all through the book what do you need i need money then start creating it start speaking about it Start speaking it into being. Speak to your billfold. Say, you big, thick billfold full of money. Speak to your checkbook. Say, you checkbook, you've never been so prosperous since I owned you. You're just jammed full of money. You've got pain and disease in your body. Speak to your body. God will create the fruit of your lips. Say to your body, your whole body. Why, you just function so beautifully and so well. Why, body, you never have any problems. You're a strong, healthy body. Or speak to your leg, or speak to your foot, or speak to your neck, or speak to your back. And once you have spoken, believe that you've received, and don't go back on it. Speak to your wife. Is that enough of that? It, it's just unbelievable. How many of you, honestly, how many of you know people that would watch this kind of thing on television? And they're influenced by it. This is the world that we're in. These are the people that we are ministering to. And we must understand it's not just a different way of looking at things. They have a different God. They have a different gospel. They have a different future. They have a different word of God. Their word is not settled. They're still receiving word from heaven. Speak to your... Good night. Speak for her to be quiet. You know, you're the you're supposed to control the weather. Hear that? I mean, Ken's the primary. Let's do this again. You know, you're the you're supposed to control the weather. 
I mean, Ken's the primary weatherman at our house, but when he's not there, I do it. You can see what's happening out there. It shows just like they have on at the weather, like on the news. I mean, he's got the computers, got the current weather on it and all that for flying. So uh, sometimes I'll hear something. I'll hear the thunder start. Maybe he'll still be asleep. And I'll say, Ken, you need to do something about this. <laughs> and knowing that. But you are the one that has authority over the weather. One day, Ken and Pat Boone, we were in Hawaii at their house, and we were, they were sitting outside, and there was a weather spout out over the ocean. And that's like a tornado, except it hits the water. And so they were sitting there, and they just watched it, rebuked it. It never did anything. One day, I was in the airplane in the back, and my little brother was in the back with me, and Ken was up front flying. And we were not in the weather, because we don't fly bad weather. But we, we could see the weather over here. And I looked out the window, and that tornado came down just like this, down toward the ground. And Ken said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You get back up there. So this is how I learned how to talk to tornadoes. I saw this. And that tornado went, woo, 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 woo. Even while I was watching and my little brother was not a devout Christian at that time, and that was really good for him to see. So you're the weatherman. You get out there, or the weather woman, whichever it is, and you talk to that thing, and you tell it, you're not coming here, I command you to dissipate, and you get back up there in Jesus' name. Glory to God. That, that, I won't charge you extra. If that's true, then, then Gloria Copeland and her husband, Kenneth Copeland, are a couple of the wickedest people in the world, because we knew Katrina was coming. Why didn't they stop it? All the 40-some people that died last week, why didn't they stop it? These people are liars, man. There is no truth in them. It gets worse. Now, in verse 26 and verse 27, God now submits himself to this principle of everything producing after its own kind. And in verse 26 and 27, let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. And if God now produces man, and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God 
and you are God. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. See, this is where, have you noticed how these charismatics are having no problem getting together with Glenn Beck? The Mormons? Because the Mormons teach that we're all little gods. That Jesus Christ was a created being and became God. That, that's what the Mormons teach. That's the same thing that Creflo Dollar's teaching. And let's, let's just eliminate this teaching very quickly. When horses get together and they reproduce horses, are they creating horses? Who created the horse? God created man. God did not reproduce man. It's just so silly, it's hard to even comprehend. But the other thing, and Pastor Nathan pointed this out to me, God also created the trees. Are the trees gods then? Are the cows gods? It's unbelievable. I don't have time to, to show it to you, but Jesse Duplantis preached this message saying that when God created the animals, he didn't know what they were. So he had to have Adam speak those into life. And so he brought this, this creature, this dead thing, and when Adam said horse, the thing became a horse, and God said, oh, that's what that is. That's who these people are. But it gets worse. We really begin to understand that, that, that when Jesus Christ paid the price, the first thing that happened after he said it is finished is the veil was rent from top to bottom, signifying that no man could do that. But the price that was paid was there's now no separation. So that we have direct access in the Holy of Holies. We understand, according to Hebrews, that Jesus is our high priest. Absolutely. And he's the first of many brethren, which means I now come into a priestly anointing. So I now can... Say that again because now, they don't get it. I now come into a priestly anointing. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. He is not. I'm a Son of he's God. He's the first fruit. You've, you're the, he's the first fruit. He's the first born of many. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. Now, if you happen to have a, a New International Version Bible or a New Living Translation Bible, John 3.16 in, in the King James says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. If you have an NIV or a New Living Translation that says His only Son, it removes the only begotten out of it. The significance of Jesus being the only begotten Son of God is He's the only Son who comes from the Father. He's the only one that is of equal essence and substance with the Father. That's the significance. That's why when Jesus said He was the only begotten Son of God, they wanted to kill Him. That's why the Jews, they understood that when he said that he was God's only begotten son, that he was saying that he was God. What they're saying is that we are gods. Jesus isn't the only God. We are gods. No, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave him power to be called the sons of God. We become children of God by, adop by adoption. Jesus is God's son by nature. See? And Jesus volunteered to go to hell. I'm going to tell you something. Ain't nobody ever got out of there. The only thing he had to go by was the promise of God that I'm reading you right now. He didn't have some special revelation from heaven between he and God the Father. No, the Bible said he emptied himself when he came and he saw himself in the word and said the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
He found himself in the Word. Jesus didn't know he was God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he had to go to hell. And he didn't know how he was going to get out of there until God told him he was going to raise him from hell. He had to suffer in hell because his sin caused him to go to hell. Listen. Jesus had to go through that same spiritual death in order to pay the price. Now, it wasn't the physical death on the cross that paid the price for sin, because if it had been, any prophet of God that had died for the last couple of thousand years before that could have paid that price. It wasn't physical death. Anybody could do that. So what they believe is that not only did Jesus Christ die physically, but he also died spiritually. He took on him, the, according to these faith healers, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, what they believe is that Jesus Christ took on a sin nature. He took on the nature of Satan. Okay, look at Isaiah chapter 53 with me. How many of you, honestly, it's worse than you thought? Isaiah chapter 53, of course, a messianic prophecy, all speaking about our Savior. And look what the Bible says, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. You see, if Jesus Christ's soul and spirit had been corrupted, they could not be the sinless offering for sin. You see? That is the, that is the clear teaching of the Word of God. When the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that doesn't mean He took on a sin nature. It means that body that was created took on all of our sin. All of that sin was placed on His body and paid for on the cross. Amen? But He was still God. How can God cease to be God? He can't be. That's why it was only God who could pay the price. These people have a different God than we do. And then this, I think this is the last one. Why did Jesus then on the cross say, my God? Because God was not his father anymore. He took upon himself the nature of Satan. Kenneth Hagin, he had to say, my God, because he wasn't his father anymore. Because he had taken on the nature of Satan. That's what he just said. Can I tell you something? He's dead now. He knows the truth now. I'm, I get, I'm sorry I get mad at this. I, I, I've wanted to have a, a good spirit about this, but it's just hard. You know, what if somebody said something bad about your mother? You know, what if somebody said something bad about your wife or your children and, and, and defamed them? That's what these people are doing to our God, to our gospel. I was shocked when I found out who the biggest failure in the Bible actually is. Okay. You know, everybody asks you, say, who's the biggest failure? They say, Judas. Somebody else will say, no, I believe it's Adam. Well, how about the devil? He's the most consistent failure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But he's not the biggest in terms of material failure and so forth. The biggest one in the whole Bible is God. Hmm. Oh, what, what, what? Don't you turn that set off. You listen to it. You, I told you now, you sit still a minute. You know me well enough. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell something I can't prove in the Bible. He lost his top-ranking, most anointed angel 
the first man he ever created, the first woman he ever created. Biggest failure. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Was, was God surprised that man fell? Was God surprised by any of those things? So we've got to understand these people have a different God than we do. Now, let's back up for a minute. Let's look at our Galatians chapter 2. And let's look at it. Verse 4. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, look, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. See, the truth of the gospel is going to continue here at Grace Baptist Church. It's going to continue with you. So now what do we do about loved ones? What do we do about people that we know that are involved in this? Now, let, let, let me ask you again. How many of you people know, how many of you know people that are involved or influenced by someone that we've looked at today? What do we do with them? Man, we can't attack them. What do we do? Well, that's when all we pray for them and we use the Word of God. Now, here's the problem. Here's what you run into when you're dealing with them, and here's why it gets difficult to use the Word of God, because they don't believe the Word of God is finished. They believe that their preacher speaking is just as authoritative as the Word of God. They believe that that preacher is still receiving revelation from God that is just as authoritative or more authoritative than the Word of God. So here's what, here's what we have to do. We pray for them. We use the Word of God. We demonstrate the truth of the Word of God, challenge their thinking on those things. And you ready? We as a church, we separate from them. We're not going to give place by subjection. No, not for an hour. I'm not going to participate in a rally with them. We're not going to go fight against abortion. We're not going to... We're just not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I don't want to introduce you to a preacher and have you think that this is a nice guy and have him influence your family this way or her influence your family this way. Now, now let me just say this. The, we, we showed these women preachers... Um, but let's just finish with this so that there's no confusion, no confusion at all. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Oh, let me say this also. Paula White, you understand that Paula White just confessed to having an affair with Benny Hinn. She's divorced her husband. Right? You all know that, right? And they're still just raking in the cash. Raking in the cash. Um. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. Let's look at verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Well, that doesn't make me feel good. I don't know if I like that. That that doesn't sound right to me. Let, let me say this as kindly as possible. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry that your feelings are not in line with the Word of God. I'm sorry for you. There is explanation about this, but did God say it? 
then does it need explanation? It could not be clearer. First Timothy chapter two. Well, she's just doing it because the men won't. Well, maybe she won't let her husband. First Timothy chapter two, verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, for Joyce Myers, for Paula White, for Marilyn Hickey, for Gloria Copeland, for, you know, these people, they, they believe that Catherine Kuhlman has appeared to them from the grave. I wonder if she was still drunk. You see, people get, all, people get their feelings involved in this. I like this person. I don't like any of those people because they're liars. They are liars. And we as a church, we can become so soft in our feelings. Man, I, I have great compassion for people who have been deceived by this movement. Amen? These false teachers, let them be accursed. They're liars. They're blind guides. They're heretics. And we as believers, man, we got to stop being, being nicer than God. We've got to stop. We, we have to say, this is sin. This is wickedness. This is wrong. This kind of thinking. It does not make a woman less of a person because God said she can't be a pastor. You know what I'm really offended by? I don't get to have babies. Why don't I get to have a baby? I think I should be able to. I want you all to start calling me mom. I'm in touch with my feminine side. I don't think it's fair. I don't think God's fair because I can't be a mother. I've always wanted to. There's that special connection that the mother has with the baby. It's not fair that I don't get to have that. I'm just telling you, folks, we have been so influenced by our culture. We're afraid to, we're afraid to just make a statement. Stand up as a preacher behind the pulpit and say, women, don't preach. You do not teach men in the church. You are not going to have a position of leadership in the church. We love you. Go home and cook dinner. Amen. How many of you, honestly, how many of you think that dinner is an important part of your existence? How many of you think that your home, that the home is an important part of God's plan? Woman, be the keeper at home. That is your job. Do it well to the glory of God. And leave the preaching to the men. And men, leave the keeping of the home to your wife. That's her job. She's good at it. Amen? Now, how many of you think that what I just said might be offensive to someone? Why? Why? Because they do not love God. They do not love God's Word, and they think they've got a better idea for society than God does. 
I'll never forget, I was in a meeting in Texas, Dalton Robertson preaching, and he said something kind of like that. And apparently he was getting pushback from some of these women. And Dalton went red on them. He said, he said hey, don't you women look at me like that. There's not a woman in here I can't whip. <laughs> now, personally, I don't know if that was true. I've seen some pretty tough Texan women. But it is just so funny how in Christianity, in our culture, if you identify a false prophet, you're not loving. If you say that Billy Graham uh, does not tell the truth about the gospel, people think that you're just crazy, that you're just nuts. If you tell people that women are not supposed to be preachers and teachers of men, they're not supposed to do it. Can women teach women? They're supposed to. They're commanded to. But men, not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're not going to do it here at Grace Baptist Church. We're not going to give place by subjection to that. No, not for an hour. What's so great about the church? It's a place where the faith is protected. I'm going to tell you, our authority here at Grace Baptist Church is the Word of God. And now here's what happens, and, and, and we've got to be done. This has been a little bit longer service than normal. But here's what happens. How many of you, when you see this stuff, you honestly get a little depressed? Look with me at... Uh, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Do you know what the opposite of that is? Ignorance is bliss. We can just bury our head in the sand and say, man, God's doing a great work. There's a revival going on all over the world. It's awesome. But then when you find out that the revival is this, that's when we need to understand that the gospel has been lost. It's our job to speak the truth. Amen? Amen. Let God be true. Every man a liar. These people with their false doctrine, there is no truth in them. None. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm so glad that we can trust it.